This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good to see you this morning. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. It's good to see faces that I haven't seen, some for over two, two years uh, that haven't been back throughout the pandemic. There's brand new faces that I don't even recognize today, and I hope to be able to meet you and greet you. If you're here today and you're visiting and you have not filled out a connection card, there's one in your chair back. We would love to be able to connect with you. If you're online, if you'd go to the information button and you'd click on that, I think it would be in our live feed as well. We would love to be able to make better connection with you so we can get to know you better. Uh, today's a good day, amen? Do you love Jesus? They love Jesus more over on this side, I heard. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, good, good, good. I love that. Uh, I want to say good job, Pastor Ali, last week. Was that not a rock star sermon? She did an amazing job. Uh, we believe wholeheartedly in women in ministry. We believe wholeheartedly in women that preach. And let me tell you, that girl can preach. And she did an amazing job. Today, uh, we want to invite you, direct you, encourage you. Our ministry fair is going to follow right after our service. And that's going to be in our gymnasium here at this campus. And we encourage you to go in and participate. Walk through. Not only would you just walk through. You know, oftentimes we, walk, we go through and go, oh, well, this is nice. Look at those pictures. The goal for this ministry fair is we we need you. All right, so your goal is not just to go in there and look at the pictures and go, am I in the pictures? Your goal is to go in there and go, where can I serve? Right? So I'm just putting it out there, putting it clear. Where can I serve? Everyone say, where can I serve? Uh, I can tell you a sign of a healthy believer, a growing believer, someone that loves God, that's a disciple of Jesus Christ, is going to step in and serve somewhere. And if you want to be evident in that in your life, we, we need you to serve. We need you to step in and serve God as you serve others. That's what's so important. Today, we are privileged. We're honored. Uh, we love missionaries at Relevant Life Church. Um, I'm honored uh, today. This is going to be Cassie's first time with us. She is uh, a newer missionary. I, well, newer in the sense. Uh, she is a missionary to, she's a Chi Alpha missionary to the U, University of Oregon in Eugene. And right, go Ducks, you know, all that says there. Uh, don't worry, you know, there's a lot of those at the other campus too. Uh, so, uh, no, we, we, we support both. We love both. And today, this is an opportunity for us uh, to not just hear what God is doing on a campus, what God is doing through uh, an amazing individual, amazing leader, but also for you to hear where God wants you to partner with her. Uh, not just in prayer, even though prayer is vital, but to partner with her in funds. Uh, I can tell you today that this is a vital mission field. Uh, this is a home mission field. This is a vital mission field. This is necessary because we're talking, we're talking, she's ministering to people that are our future leaders. There are leaders of today, but they're future leaders. They're the ones that are going to impact our culture greater than anything else. And they're a culture uh, that's isolated under themselves and is not following God for the most part. And so today we step in and we support and we encourage. Would you put your hands together as Cassie comes to share with her her heart? Man, Pastor Kevin, you understand our mission. You could just do this whole thing. Thank you. My goodness. I just want to say thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone, both here in, the pers in person and online. Um, I'm just so grateful to be here. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I noticed when I walked in, I think this is the church, like, the, ch the, the most Chi Alpha church I've been to 
in the sense that we worship with our whole hearts. And so I thank you for welcoming me here into that environment. It's so exciting. It feels like being back in college, in a sense, um, to have people who are that sold out for Jesus. We'll talk about that. Um, but first, I just wanted to say thank you. So thank you. All right. So about seven years ago, I accidentally decided where I was going to go to college. <laughs> um, I had just come home from a couple of campus tours, and I was debriefing with my mom and my sister and trying to decide, okay, where am I going to go? Um, and I had narrowed it down to the final two. And as our conversation was wrapping up, um, just kind of in passing, I said, yeah, I still need to fill out that health form for Western, I think. And my mom's face lit up. She's like, you chose Western? And she just gave me, gave me this big hug. Um, and I knew that she thought I had just decided where to go. Uh, so I was faced with a choice. I could break my mom's heart and go to the other campus, or I could just say yes and go to Western. So I decided to go to Western Washington University, and that's how I ended up there. Uh, but I think God was working behind the scenes in ways that I didn't even know yet. So uh, like most college students, I had high hopes for what college was going to be like. Um, the, the ideal college experience, right? You go, you make friends who will last a lifetime, you learn a lot, and then suddenly you end up in uh, a job that fits exactly what you studied in college, and everything works out, right? Like happily ever after, after college, <laughs> which it turns out uh, doesn't always happen. Um, at this time, when I was going into college, I said that I was a Christian. Um, I had grown up going to church every Sunday, uh, but I didn't know yet um, how to surrender my whole life to Christ. That wasn't something that had been modeled to me. Um, I went to college, and my understanding was you just need to believe that God is real, and that's it. You're saved. Um, you don't need people. You can just have this private relationship with Jesus, and that's it. Um, so I went in, and I didn't look for Christian community at all, and things did not go the way I had hoped. I showed up. I lived in the dorms. Um, my roommate was very sweet, but unfortunately, her father passed away on the third day of classes, and she lived in town, so she would go home uh, sometimes for weeks at a time to be with her family, which, bless her, like that was the right choice to make, but for me, that meant I didn't have any natural friendships with anyone. Um, I was in a major where most people wanted to party, um, and I was just not about that, <laughs> so it was hard for me to make friends. Um, and I filled my time with homework. I had loved school. Um, it was easy to fill my time, but uh, I became increasingly isolated because of that. It's true. Most college students are very isolated. Um, I did meet a guy. We began dating. Uh, that wasn't a healthy relationship, um, but as time went on, I didn't have any friends who could tell me, hey, you're in an unhealthy relationship, and that's not good for you. So this went on for about two years. So for two years, I was living for myself, living on my own, and I said I was a Christian. Uh, by the time I was a junior, I was lonely and desperate and miserable, and my boyfriend broke up with me, so then I had no one. I had no one that I trusted enough to let into my life and say, hey, I'm struggling and I need some help. So I was alone, and for the first time in years, I prayed. Uh, three days later, uh, God spoke to me in a very unexpected way. I came from a background where I had no idea that God still spoke to people. 
so this was quite shocking. <laughs> and um, to paint the picture for you, I was sitting at a Panda Express with my mom and my sister. I had not told them that this breakup had happened. Uh, nobody knew. And I was sitting there, and I got this fortune cookie. And I've always hated fortune cookies. I think they're stupid. I think that they tend to have these platitudes that aren't actually meaningful to anyone. They're not real fortunes. But I read it, and I knew somehow that this was the voice of God speaking to me directly for the first time in my life. And I read it, and what it says was, a change of heart will bring back what is lost. And I knew this wasn't about me getting back together with my boyfriend. This was about me following Jesus. I was lost and I had a choice to make. Would I go all in and figure out this Christian thing? Or would I keep going the way I was going and end up more miserable? Uh, so I didn't know where to start. <laughs> I was like, okay, God, uh, you've got my attention. What does this mean? And so I started praying um, and I prayed for about three weeks. And the sense that I got was that I needed people who would help me follow Jesus. Uh, no one in my family was going to help me take that seriously. So I needed people in college who would walk with me and help me figure it out. So I decided to go to a Chi Alpha meeting. Um, a friend had, very loose friend, but he was in the theater department with me, and he had invited me about six months before. So this was a long-standing invitation that I had not said yes to. And I decided I would go. So I walked in by myself. On a Friday night, uh, that's when our Chi Alpha met at my campus. Um, so when most students were out partying and drinking, uh, we were on campus in a lecture hall, the biggest lecture hall on campus. I walked in, and I found 200 college students who were worshiping God with all that they had. 200 on this campus of 15,000. And it was the first time in my life where I'd seen really genuine people follow Jesus, who wanted to get to know me and help me get to know him. It was so powerful for me. God used that community to transform my life. I discovered that Jesus was more radical and loving and welcoming than I had ever imagined. Um, God didn't want to leave me where I was. He wanted to heal me. He wanted to change the broken relationships in my life. He wanted to deliver me from habitual sin that I had gotten stuck in once I came to college. God had a purpose for my life. He didn't want to leave me where I was or even send me into what I was studying in college. He had a purpose for me, which was to go and to make disciples of all nations. He wanted me to reach other people with his love and not just stay where I was in this Christian bubble, but to go out and meet people on campus and bring them to him. God wanted to make me more myself. I had, I had slipped away from what I enjoyed about myself. I thought um, I just had all these insecure thoughts that I was stuck in after these two years. Like, why would anyone be my friend? And God changed that by giving me friends who are still my best friends today from that first small group that I stepped into. God wanted to bring heaven to earth. It wasn't just about me going to heaven and spending eternity with him. He wanted to bring eternity here and change people's lives so that they could have abundant life in this world with him. So <laughs> thinking about all this, I was met with a crucified God. And there was no way, once I met him, that I could continue on the path that I was and be a lukewarm Christian. That wasn't a thing. I had to commit. I had to be all in. 
And quickly, my priorities started to shift. I can remember a phone call with my mom, <laughs> and she's like, well, you're in college to get a degree. She just said this in passing. And I said, no, mom, I'm in college to follow Jesus and lead other people to him. That didn't go over very well at first, <laughs> but she's come around uh, now that I've committed my life to this. Um, but Jesus became this defining factor for everything in my life. I have a few uh, photos uh, from my journey since then, so I'd love to share those with you. Um, there's a photo there on the left of my very first small group. Those are the ladies who loved me into the kingdom of God. So I, I joined as a junior. Um, I spent two years in uh, Chi Alpha as a student, and then I stepped into an internship uh, that they offered to train up future ministry leaders. Um, so there's a picture of my intern class up there. Um, many of those people are still serving in Chi Alpha, serving in ministry in Washington and Oregon now. Um, and then from there, I sensed God call me down to Oregon. Um, I had no uh, other connections to Oregon, uh, but God said, hey, there are universities there that need people who will reach them for Jesus. So I said, okay, I'm going to go. Um, so we have a picture here from the University of Oregon and OSU. Uh, we gathered in the fall for a retreat, the first one we've done since COVID, praise the Lord. Um, and that's a picture of our existing ministries. Um, there are probably double that uh, number of students who just didn't come, but um, praise the Lord that God is working here in this state, right? It's amazing. Um, so I've been on both campuses, OSU and U of O, so I have to ask, how many Beavers fans in the room? Okay, okay. How many Ducks fans? Oh, wow, okay. Lots of spirit here. Um, since I've served on both campuses, I can cheer for both. Uh, sometimes I tell my students that I'm a platypus fan, uh, just so they don't disown me. <laughs> but um, I love both of you, good job. <laughs> Um, so for me, I'm, I'm 24, right? And following Jesus for the last five years so far has meant um, I've needed to move to two different cities in a new state in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, it's meant I've had to become a licensed pastor and serve as a full-time missionary. I've had to raise a budget. Um, and this is not what I expected my life would look like. I thought I was going to go do children's theater somewhere. But God can change your life that quickly right? Especially at my age, right? We don't have all these other attachments. So God can just grab hold of someone's heart and transform everything. Uh, I share my story because it points to the goodness of God. He can transform us. We're not stuck where we are. And I believe that God is working here in Oregon on a very large scale um, in the same way. And I'm really excited to be a part of that story. When I tell people that I'm a missionary to college students, I tend to get two reactions. Uh, the first one is surprise. A lot of people, especially people who um, have been in church their whole lives, have kind of written off universities as a place where people could follow Jesus. Um, it doesn't seem like that's possible. Uh, the idea that Christian students just need to survive in their faith in college is very common. Um, Really, people think that if they don't go to a private Christian school, that's kind of it, right? Like, they stop uh, being committed to Jesus at that point. And people are right to be concerned. Uh, I'm not downplaying that at all. As many as 70% of young adults stop attending uh, church while they're in college. Often that's a result of not having a smooth transition. Like, they don't know where to go, so they just don't go. <laughs> um, and these are young people like me who may never come back, right? 
So we hope to change that. We don't want that to stay how it is. I think God wants to do a work in university students and bring them back to church in a good way. Uh, the other re reaction that I tend to get is concern uh, about this generation rising up to raise up new leaders. Um, particularly here in Oregon, in our denomination, church leaders and congregates tend to uh, skew towards the older side, which isn't bad. We need the wisdom of older generations to lead us, right? That's important. Uh, but we also need to see young people step up into leadership so that they're trained by those, those older generations to reach new people, right? We really need that. And so uh, if the church is going to be healthy long-term, we have to invest in this kind of mission. They're real challenges, right? Um, but today I want to encourage you because God is currently at work in ways that you may not even realize. So I hope to open your eyes to that today. Um, I believe that the university campus is one of the most strategic mission fields in the world. It's not a place we should write off. Um, and it's right here on your doorstep, right? You can make a difference here. Um, we just need to step into what God is already doing. We have a window of opportunity right now. So that's what we're going to talk about. I'll share a little bit about Chi Alpha and what we are. Um, we'll learn some things from God about what his mission looks like, and then we'll close with some opportunities of where we're going from here. Uh, how many of you have heard of Chi Alpha before? Okay, that's a good number, that's great. Um, if you haven't, you're probably a little confused about what I'm talking about. We are not a sorority or a fraternity. We get that all the time. Uh, we're a Christian ministry community of university students and pastors on over 300 colleges and universities worldwide. Um, so this is not a brand new thing. We've been doing this for a while. Um, but we focus on secular universities where students are less likely to hear the truth about Jesus. We look a little different on every campus, uh, but at least here in the Northwest, we have sort of an upside-down model from what you might expect of a church. Uh, like a traditional church, uh, most people are involved in uh, worship on Sundays, right? And then maybe a little fewer people are involved in small groups during the week. And then still fewer people would have the opportunity to meet one-on-one -on -one with a mentor, right? That's what you would expect for a normal American church. In Kaiofa, we try and flip that on its head. So we say, what if every person uh, in our ministry, every student, had the opportunity to meet one-on-one -on -one with a pastor or a student small group leader every week? One hour a week. And then what if uh, we invited those students into small groups where they were actually known and connected in a relationship, and then we invited them to the worship service, right? You can see how it becomes very personal for these students, and we're able to walk with them through the questions that they're asking. All three of those things matter. We love all three of those things. But to reach students, we often need to engage with their questions. Uh, so we go to them before expecting them to come to us. That gives us the opportunity to meet with Christians and non-Christians on our campus who may never <laughs> go to a church service. Our aim is to reconcile students to God through Christ um, and equip them to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world. Uh, this is a critical time in someone's life, right? You're, in, you're 18 to 22, uh, maybe a little older, and it's usually the first time that someone leaves their family and their community, right? So even for Christian students, they're deciding what they're going to value for the rest of their lives, the things that they're going to invest their time and finances and energy into. Um, and that disruption really shakes up who you think you are, 
right? Um, it shakes up what you think you know about the world. And suddenly you're exposed to all of these different ideas and worldviews um, because you're on a university campus where no one thinks the same thing that you do. And so students come and they have a lot of questions about how to navigate that and no one that's built in to do it with them. We want to be those people. Uh, we want every student to have the opportunity to hear a clear presentation of the gospel. Many people have uh, misconceptions about who Jesus is, and so we want to correct those, say, hey, God is better than you think, but he will ask much of you, right? And we want students to have the opportunity to say yes, knowing fully what Jesus has called them to do. Because when students really know Jesus, they're empowered to become transformers, people who will go out to every sphere of the world, and change it with the love of God. I have the privilege of doing this mission with a great team. Um, so I have a picture of them up here. Uh, Joey's my director uh, over there on the left. And then John, who was actually an intern with me at Western, has, has come down to Oregon as well. Um, and then Karen Hillier, who focuses on international students. Um, so I'm grateful for them. I wanna give them a shout out because they're very important and I couldn't do this alone. Uh, thinking about our mission, there is a story in scripture that I absolutely love that parallels some, parallels some of what we experience when we go out on campus and try and reach students. Um, so it offers some good insight, and I would love to read that with you today. It's one of my favorites, and it comes out of Acts 8. So if you have a paper Bible and you want to turn there, um, go ahead and do that. This story comes at a very pivotal moment in the history of the early church. Right? Jesus has challenged his followers to go be his witnesses in the city of Jerusalem um, and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth with the boldness and power of the Holy Spirit as their guide. So they have been ministering in Jerusalem, but persecution increases to the point where a man named Stephen, follower of Jesus, is stoned to death. And that causes the disciples to scatter uh, out into Judea and Samaria. Um, so they are faithfully uh, witnessing there, fulfilling what Jesus has said. And we pick up in the story with the Apostle Philip, uh, who's been ministering in Samaria. So in Acts 8, verse 26, we read, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
The story goes on, we're not going to read it, um, but it says that as they continue along the road, the Ethiopian um, comes to know who Jesus is and asks to be baptized. Uh, so Philip baptizes him on the side of the road, uh, and they never meet again, but the Ethiopian goes on his way rejoicing, and Philip goes out to preach the gospel in other places. So this story is just extraordinary to me in so many ways. It's a real testament to the kinds of people that the early believers were, right? They were thinking of themselves as missionaries everywhere that they went. Like, put yourself in Philip's shoes for a moment. Uh, you've been preaching to this people group that you think of as traitors, or you've thought of as traitors until Jesus came along. And when it comes time to leave, you probably expect that God will send you somewhere really strategic, right? Like to a city or a town where many people don't know Jesus um, and haven't heard the good news. And instead, God sends you to a road, right? <laughs> like in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't tell you where you're going. Uh, he doesn't tell you what you're looking for. He just tells you to start down the road. So you do, right? Like you go um, to this place that doesn't seem that strategic. So Philip starts down the road not knowing where it will lead him because knowing that God wanted him there was enough, right? He's not concerned about that. And I wonder how many of us would actually do that, right? Like I tend to ask, okay, God, like I'm going to go down the road, but then where are you leading me? And Philip models, we don't need to know. We can just trust that God is leading us, um, and that's okay. And Philip doesn't try and strategize his next step. He's not zooming out and thinking, what's the most strategic place I can go? He says, the most strategic place is where God wants me. So he goes, and on the way, he meets one man, right? Not a crowd, but one man. And God has sent him this way to meet this one person. And it turns out this person is a man of some influence, uh, he's from a southern region that so far has less access to news about Jesus, and he's pretty high up in the political hierarchy. He probably has significant wealth in order to travel up to Jerusalem um, and to have a copy of Isaiah's writings. And here he is, and he's reading scripture, and he's trying to understand more about God. That's an opportunity, right? Think of how much preparation God needed to do to bring about this moment right? Philip had to come to know Jesus. Philip had to be sent out by the early church to preach the good news to new people, which means he needed many people praying for him and funding his ministry. And he had to be faithful to God's instructions, even if they didn't seem like the best idea, and even if they didn't seem to make sense. And this man from Ethiopia, someone had to tell him about God so that he would be reading the scriptures um, God must have put him in this position of influence so he could be traveling on this road so he could have access to the scriptures. And he's reading a passage that points to the person of Jesus, the truth about Jesus, right? So many things that needed to fall into place just right to bring about this encounter. God has to be behind it. There's no other explanation. And once again, the Spirit uh, leads Philip up to the chariot. He doesn't say, go talk to this man, right? He creates a window of opportunity for Philip to see what God is doing and step into that story by taking initiative and starting a conversation, starting a relationship that ultimately leads this man to commit his whole life to follow Jesus, right? Philip is faithful in that moment, not knowing what will happen. But he meets this man where he is. He starts with the very passage of scripture that this man is reading. 
And from there, he's able to build bridges, cross cultural barriers, right? Maybe even a language barrier, and lead this man to faith. And in this case, God is all that is needed to bring this man to faith, right? The man chooses to follow Jesus. He becomes our brother in Christ. And that's extraordinary, right? Praise the Lord that God can do things like that to lead people to him and thinks it's important enough to lead one person to him to send his best, uh, one of his best preachers to reach one man. Yeah. I love this story. It doesn't make sense without God. His fingerprints are all over it. Like what individual person commanded to reach the whole church would just go to one man? But our God would do that. To God, it's strategic and worth, worthwhile. And when we think about what happened to this man, we don't fully understand um, the Ethiopian eunuch story beyond this moment. But we know that he went on his way rejoicing, which to me says he probably went and told this story to other people that he knew in a place that was completely unreached. And he told them the truth of scripture that Philip taught him. He passed on what he had learned. And probably more people came to know Jesus because this man came to faith than if Philip had gone there himself. God knew what he was doing, even if it didn't make sense to Philip. Um, so Philip was taking simple acts of obedience, and that is how he was following God in his everyday life. It prepared him for this moment. And I think he understood something that many of us tend to forget. You see, when we talk about missions, it can bring up different inclinations in us. Uh, some of us shy away from that because we're afraid of rejection or it feels like we're under-equipped and we don't know enough uh, to lead someone to Jesus, to teach them all the truths that people need to understand. And so we fail to reach people because we're so paralyzed uh, that we never take that first step. Nothing paralyzes my students more than when I say, hey, uh, let's go meet a stranger, you know? No pressure to even talk about Jesus, but let's go meet a stranger. That's scary to them, right? It's probably the same for some of us. Uh, but some of us go too far in the other direction. Um, we are like, let's rely on our knowledge and skills and try and come up with the best plan for how to reach as many people as possible. I think I'm more in this category. And we fail to reach people because, in a sense, we're trying to get ahead of God. Right? We're trying to figure it out ourselves. And we rely on ourselves and not him, and that's why it doesn't work. It's not as strategic. Philip models something different for us. Philip sees what God is doing, and he steps into the opportunity that God has created for him, and things go really well because God is the one who's behind it, right? If we're trying to lead people to Jesus, we need to do it in a way that brings glory to God. The best mission strategy, Philip shows us, is to step into what God is already doing, right? It's not to figure it out ourselves or not to do it. <laughs> it's to see what God is doing and step into it. It's simple, right? It's refreshingly simple. To reach people with Jesus's love, we don't need special skills. We need to come alongside people as their friends. I can make a friend. You can make a friend. We can do this. <laughs> exactly. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we need to pay attention to those opportunities that he's put in front of us and just step into someone's story. We have to take initiative. And it might be for one moment, right? One encounter like Philip had with this man, or it might be for much longer. It might be years. But if God is behind it, we can trust him to multiply our efforts and the conversations that we have and lead this person to where he wants them to be, right? I love this story because it doesn't make sense without God. 
And that's true of God's mission in the world. Right? This story so beautifully parallels many of the experiences that I've had on campus meeting students. Uh, not that many students, uh, you just walk up to them and they're reading the scripture and they want to ask about Jesus, right? Uh, that's very uncommon. Um, not many students get baptized the same day, right? That would be a miracle. But in a way, the secular university is like a desert road, right? Thousands of students are just passing through on their way to somewhere else. And these four years of college don't seem like a strategic place because you're not likely to find a crowd on campus today that will just respond to a message of Jesus and come to faith. It's not likely to happen in our world. Um, But you will find people of influence. You will find people who are going to go out and make waves in their field of study once they graduate. You will find people who are some of the best and brightest international students from around the world who long for friends from the U.S. And then maybe they'll come to faith and go back to their home country and be like well-versed in their own culture and lead other people to Christ. That might happen, actually. And so these students are here in this critical time when they're away from their home and community and they want someone to talk about their questions with. And that's where we come in, right? We can meet them where they are. And university life moves very fast compared to adult life. Um, So for a student who comes to faith, they might actually become a small group leader the next year. Now they're learning to lead others to Jesus. And then they'll go out from there and know how to do that in their own context because they're thinking about it from their sophomore year, right? For a person who comes to faith in the adult world, that might take much longer. So we're equipping students and sending them out as they learn to be accountable and serve in Christian community. It's important. Um, I think actually the secular university is more strategic than private Christian schools. That's just my personal opinion. Um, Because for people who are in private Christian schools, they're learning a lot of head knowledge and they're surrounded by people who agree with them. And for secular university students, that isn't the case, right? They are learning from day one how to articulate their faith to people who don't know Jesus and live in a culture that's very different maybe from what they're used to or what they want to do now that they follow Jesus. And they're able to articulate that to their friends and survive, quote-unquote, thrive in that culture, right? High school students, we're thinking about that. It's a big deal. So in Chi Alpha, our heart is to raise up students who will make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples for generations. And when one student decides to orient their life around Jesus, their spiritual family tree can grow for that long. It's worth it to reach just the one person on the road this point, I want to share some stories uh, really briefly of what God has been doing in Chi Alpha. So you have some real faces (laughs) to put to what I'm talking about. Um, We do have both guys and gals in our ministry, uh, but I mostly mentor the gals, so I'm going to share their stories because I know them better. Uh, First up, this is Lauren. She's the one with the pink hair. Uh, And this story is being written right now. Lauren is a junior at, at the University of Oregon. Uh, She comes with an openness to spiritual things, but no idea who Jesus is. Um, And conversations with a friend made her curious enough to want to know more. So now she's part of our ministry. I meet with her every week, and we're going through the book of Mark. I have never seen a non-Christian be so committed to Scripture. She loves it. Uh, We're talking about two chapters a week. And two weeks ago, um, I asked her if there was anything she wanted prayer for. She said, well, I'm having trouble managing my time. Um, Very common (laughs) for college students. I said, okay, well, let's ask God 
uh, to help you manage your time, to change your perspective of how you think about it. And so we prayed. She prayed, uh, Lord, would you please help me manage my time? Uh, very simple prayer. And I come back the next week and I ask her, hey, how are things going with you managing your time? And she says, I think God answered my prayer. This girl is not a Christian, right? But she's on that journey, figuring out who Jesus is and falling in love with him. Uh, next up, this is Xavier. Xavier's wonderful. Uh, she came to Chi Alpha on her first day as an OSU student, so I met her last year. Uh, she couldn't wait to dive into Christian community, and there were all sorts of ways that she grew, but uh, I wanted to share one story from the very end of the year. As a young teenager, Xavier was in an accident uh, that has left her with significant nerve damage, uh, which sometimes results in uh, paralysis in parts of her body uh, for periods of time, sometimes days, weeks, months, or years. Um, so she's lived with this since she was about 12 years old. Uh, and on this particular night when this picture was taken, Xavier was feeling very anxious because she was losing the use of her left arm. She asked for us to pray for her, and our entire Chi Alpha community surrounded her to pray for supernatural healing. And that night, we were sharing testimonies. So still having not experienced healing, she gets up and testifies to the faithfulness of God in her life and how he has shown up every time she has had to deal with suffering, and she's been in and out of the hospital for years. And so she prays for our community to understand the faithfulness of God. We go home that night, still no healing, nothing. She texts me the next morning and says, God has miraculously healed my arm. I can use it 100%. Thank you for praying for me. Praise God. Up thirst, third is Matov. Uh, Matov is from Iran. I met her also at OSU. She's doing her PhD right now. Um, she's only been home once in the last six years because of travel restrictions, which is hard. Uh, Matov had never met a Christian before. Right? So we got to meet every week, and I think I learned more from her than she did from me. Um, not super open to spiritual things, but now she knows a little bit more about Jesus. Right? Um, and in a year on campus where being isolated was the norm, what she noticed was that Christian students were the only ones going out and trying to make friends with people that they didn't know. And that made an impact on her. She has a totally positive view of Christians now. She's still learning more about who Jesus is. And now she's meeting with my friend Anna, who's a pastor at OSU. A gal from Iran, right? That's amazing. Last but not least is Tia. Uh, she's the gal on the left there. I love Tia. Um, I met her when I was at Western Washington University. She was a freshman. Um, in that year, she became a small group leader, uh, stepped up the next year. Um, so then I left. I went to Oregon. Um, but I actually just saw her last night um, at a camp that we were at. And Tia tells me uh, that she's been discipling university students for the last two years as a small group leader. And she's now praying about doing a Chi Alpha internship uh, up in Western. And she's also praying about pioneering here in Oregon. She might join my team, <laughs> Right? as a Chi Alpha pastor in a couple years. That's a real possibility. Someone I met as a freshman. God can do this, you guys. He's doing it right now. He's raising up people who have the vision to go reach other university students. It's huge. If God is for us, who can stand against us? We can't not succeed at this, right? God is in this. So I hope that by hearing these stories, you've caught a small glimpse of what Chi Alpha is all about. Um, but I want to close by sharing about Oregon as a whole, um, because I really see God moving in the state. That's why I came here. Uh, right now, Chi Alpha has a stronger foundation in Oregon than we've ever had before. 
we are re-pioneering, which essentially means we're hitting the reboot button on some ministries, um, especially in the midst of COVID and everything that's been going on. Um, so we're rebuilding our ministry cultures to become more evangelistic, so our students catch the vision for reaching other people, um, and to have more longevity than we've ever had before. So even during this process, we're seeing students come to faith and step into leadership. Uh, we also have more staff and better trained staff than we've ever had before in the state, uh, which is really important, right? Because our students are asking questions about how faith relates to evolution and sexuality and politics and you name it, they have questions about it, right? So we need to be very well trained to engage those questions. Um, but in the next few years, we're praying about launching a Chi Alpha internship here in Oregon to raise up college students to go reach the rest of Oregon. There's a lot of campuses in Oregon. Um, seven public four-year universities, 27 other secular colleges and universities. Um, and our hope is that students at every single one of them will hear a clear presentation of the gospel and have the chance to say yes to Jesus. But we can't do that alone, right? We need God to go ahead of us to prepare a way and we need people to partner with us to make that possible. Um, if you believe in our mission and you have questions, I would love to talk to you after the service, right? We are looking for more people to get involved. Um, and even if you don't want to do that, <laughs> we do need people praying for our ministry, um, helping us to go out. Um, and so I want to share some prayer requests uh, that are very live, uh, things that we're thinking about right now. First, please pray for Jesus to capture the hearts of students. Right? Pray for the people who are currently in our ministry or people that God wants to bring in uh, to become student leaders to go out and raise up more people, right? More people who will love Jesus because uh, staff can only take our ministry so far. We need people like Tia who are going to go out and do it themselves. Um, second, Jesus teaches us that the harvest is plentiful, uh, which is true, but the workers are few. There are students who would respond on our campus if we could reach them. <laughs> like, we just need people to go out and reach them. Um, so please pray, especially for more staff, um, especially at the University of Oregon. We really need another female staff member, um, someone who will help me go out and reach these gals. So it's not just me meeting with them. Um, so please, raise, please ask God to raise up more harvest workers, especially at the University of Oregon. Uh, and finally, please pray with us as we try and pioneer new ministries in Oregon. That's really our heart. We want to reach the whole state, not just the campus we're on. Um, I was thinking today, Western Oregon University is on your doorstep, right? That might actually be one of the most strategic campuses in the state because it has an education focus, which means we could send out teachers, not only to schools, but also into Chi Alpha. Um, that's what Western Washington University was like. Um, and so we're hoping in the next 10 years to send a team there, right? Maybe the prayers today start that process, right? We need to reach that campus. So I believe that if we set aside just one minute today, God will help us do those things, right? God will answer the prayers uh, that were on the slide. God is good. God sees us. God sees this mission and sees our hearts, and he wants to respond. Um, so I want to ask, actually, for all of you to pray. Um, just we'll take like 30 seconds to a minute. Pick one of these things, and please bring it before the Lord. Uh, we would be really grateful for God to hear all of our prayers. Um, so I'll wait, and then I'll close us in just a few seconds.
God, I want to say thank you for the relevant Life Church family. Uh, Lord, for these brothers and sisters uh, who have come together before you and surrendered their lives to you. Um, God, I know that you love them. And now I love them too. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I pray that you would lead them in their next step, or their next step of faith, uh, just like Philip did, maybe not knowing where that's going, um, but trusting you enough to just walk out on the road. Um, I pray that you would teach them to walk in your ways, that you would guide them in your truth, that you would help them to experience your abundant life. Um, God, I pray for this family as they serve one another. Help them to do that well. Um, Lord, please help each of us to see what you're doing um, and step into your purposes for us. We thank you that you give us those opportunities that um, we don't just wait on you to do mission yourself, but we actually get the joy of participating with you in it. Lord, we thank you. Uh, We praise you. You are worthy to be praised. Um, And we pray all this in your precious and powerful name. Amen. 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 Thank you all very much. Let's give Cassie a round of applause. Awesome. Thank you so much for your heart. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, I love Chi Alpha, and I have just, this is like the third third interaction, fourth interaction that I've had with Cassie, and uh, I love her heart. I love her passion. Um, I am thoroughly excited about what God is doing and going to do in our state through Chi Alpha. As she stated, this is never before have we been set uh, with such an amazing team and such an avenue to be able to reach our college campuses uh, in in our state. And there are several of them. And we want to be able to partner with her in her mission. And so today, we're not just here for her to be able to come and talk about how awesome everything's going at U of O. It's also to step alongside her to go, hey, we are going to partner with you. We're going to support you as you go out and do this work. I love the story you shared today. I've never looked at it through that perspective of how God coordinated all of those things in his sovereignty to bring it to a place of impacting one student. And I think about your story, Cassie, that God coordinated all those events so that Cassie in that year would be impacted and her life would be changed. Uh, She's setting it up now that her life is going to impact someone else's life. And do you realize that as we support her, as we step in to partner with her, that life that she's impacting, those lives that she's impacting, we're also impacting. And uh, what, what an opportunity, what an avenue to be able to do so. Uh, we, we support many missionaries here, and I always end our services with Romans chapter 10 that I think is so vital because God's Word directs us. God's Word gives us a pattern of how you and I are to walk and how we are to send missionaries and support missionaries. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they uh, believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they hear without someone sharing their story or telling them how to? You think of Philip and the Ethiopian. You think of uh, the individual that talked with Cassie. You think of these people that had a story to share, not necessarily preaching at them, but sharing their story, sharing the love of Jesus. And I think it's so important that they can't tell that story unless we send them to tell that story. And some of you here may be going, well, no one sent me to tell the story. Well, God already sent you to tell the story. And some of you in this room don't even want to go to U of O to tell the story. But God's picked Cassie, who wants to go to this campus and to share her story. So we have a responsibility as a church to support her. We have a responsibility to send her so that story can be clear. Today, if you want to partner with her, we would encourage, one, we want to take an offering today. So you can go on uh, on uh, our online giving. A text to give, I think it's, is it up there? 
84321 uh, uh, Chi Alpha, and that will go into, go into our general offering. If you want to write a check, put in cash. You can drop it in the green box back there. Make sure you uh, designate what that is for. Also, if you are here and you want to support her on a monthly basis. This is what we need. We want a monthly support, and we're going to step in and support her as a church. But we would encourage you to go on to our, whether you scan the QR code, go in there, there's a form online for all people. Uh, go in and, and fill out that form and put the amount that is there. Um, if you're not tech savvy and you want to just write it on on an envelope, you can write it on an envelope. If you're not tech savvy and you want to do it on an email, send an email to uh, the office and we'll make sure that that gets placed there as well. Uh, Today, we want to pray for Cassie real quick. Would you stretch your hand towards her? God, we thank you so much for this young woman. I thank you for her passion, her heart, and her desire to serve you. God, I thank you for the clear message of the gospel that was presented today. God, I thank you for uh, her passion for this campus. And God, we ask for anointing. God, these prayers that we pray, these prayer requests that were brought up, God, we pray that you would bring answers to these prayers. You are beginning something brand new today. And God, we ask for workers. We ask for laborers. We ask that you would coordinate all the events. And God, we know that as you are sovereign, you do all the back work. God, you're in the process of doing all this. And God, it was for such a time as this that you prepared Cassie to come. And so God, today we're anticipating the next, next, next for such a time as this moment. And God, we thank you for her life. God, would you pour out your blessings upon her? Would you provide all that she has need of? God, we call on the finances today. I thank you for the faithfulness of people to give. And God, we want to support her and encourage her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We encourage you to connect with her as you're leaving. She's going to be out in the lobby. Also, would you make sure that you uh, take a tour through the, the gymnasium? We need you. We need you to sign up, not just look for pictures of, of how beautiful you are. We need you to serve and make it, make, it, make it happen. A ministry happens through you, and we're thankful for it. God bless you. See you on Sunday. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.